0: Do you want to hear about great work happening in schools around the world? Just schools are life-giving places that address feedback, engagement, and well-being for each student. This concept is founded on love and justice for each student. Dr. John Eckert digs deep into the current educational landscape with research, experience, and a good dose of humor and humility. Join us in the desire to do justice, love kindness, and walk with confident humility. Get inspired with stories of improvement in the profession that makes all others possible. We're here today with Eric Ellison, an outstanding educator and one of the best connectors I know, to talk a little bit about the premise of the book, Just Teaching, Feedback, Engagement, and Well-Being, that uh, is coming out in January of
1: 2023. So, John, thanks for having me. Um, You are the most... Frequent guest on my podcast, <laughs> That's so fair. I appreciate this opportunity. <laughs> One of the things that you know, I think for every teacher, and I think it's related to your book, just teaching. Every teacher will go into a setting and they get introduced, or somebody introduces them, and oftentimes they say, "Hey, here's Eric Elfson. He's just a teacher. Yeah, drives yeah. you nuts. Right, downplays who you are." Yeah, what we do as professionals. Yeah. How does the book Just Teaching relate to kind of that idea of we're more than just a teacher?
0: Right. So, I, it's it's sad when people are introduced that way. And I actually find it less frequent that they get introduced that way than that they introduce themselves that way. So, they get into a, a meeting with other educators. They see administrators there. They might see policymakers or other people. Having been at the U.S. Department of Ed, you would see this sometimes where you might have teachers in a meeting, which you needed more teachers in, to be honest. But they would say, well, I'm just a teacher. So, I, I don't know. But I'm just a teacher. I'm like, well, you know way better than anyone else what's going on. because you have the view of what it is to do the meaningful work that happens in a classroom. And so, so often we disempower ourselves by saying things like, I'm just a teacher. And so, the book plays on that a little bit, that we have to stop that kind of uh, disempowerment. And in the introduction, we talk a little bit about that. Uh, The other piece, there's actually two other pieces to it. So, teaching's also become really hard, especially over the last three years, uh, we're losing teachers in droves and outstanding teachers that are leaving. And so, teaching has become increasingly complex not just through a pandemic but through all the things that are expected of teachers and of administrators and so they're they're leaving and so we are trying to simplify teaching down to what its core is and so, that's the three pieces that we've laid out, which is feedback, engagement, and well-being. That a nice acronym, a few, but it really is the foundation of well-being. And it's well-being for teachers and administrators, because if you're not well, you can't not really lead for well-being. And then the second piece is we've had so much going on around critical race theory, social-emotional learning, people accusing others of being woke, and policies that drive this kind of wedge between people when, obviously, we all care about the social emotional well-being of kids, but now terms that weren't loaded are now loaded terms. And in the end, really what we're doing when we teach for justice is addressing feedback, engagement, and well-being for each individual student. And so, that's what the great teachers do. They see individuals in their classroom and they meet those needs where they're at.
1: Well, and in that, you talk about, you know, and, and I've heard you mention it many times is that teaching is the profession that makes all others possible, Right. So, how do we start talking about our profession? How do we start talking about this work where it moves us into a place of what you would call that confident humility, where there's a confidence, but then there's also that humility and that grace to do this really hard work? Yeah. So,
0: confident humility, that Adam Grant's term from Think Again was the most helpful thought in the book for me in that we know- Uh, especially as Christians that are doing this work, that there is truth out there. And so, we don't fear truth. We welcome truth from all different perspectives in our classroom because we know that there's truth to be known. And as a former science teacher, I believe that there is empirical truth to be known and that we become more who we're created to be as we seek that together. And so, if we have educators that are taking care of themselves, taking care of each other, making sure their students are well, engaging them in meaningful thought in meaningful skills that matter for life, and then give feedback as they improve. We're going to get a lot better school situation that we'll, than we have currently in a lot of places where people feel like they're just doing compliance-driven teaching, where it's following a script, it's doing what you're expected to do, it's doing, and it's like, well, where's the joy in what we're doing? Because I think the joy is found in those few pieces where we do that and we have teaching at this human level.
1: So then how do we, if we're teaching for justice and we're more than just a teacher, right? And we enter into those spaces. And I think that's been the fun for you and I, as we've grown in our professional opportunities and capacities, I'm always interested in how administrators forget who they were as educators or teachers, but policy- The good ones don't. The good ones don't. Right. But the policymakers, how do we (laughs) lead up in our profession where other people- Value us in the same way that we value each other?
0: Well, I think we have to first value ourselves and each other. Uh, that's the I'm just a teacher, but you, that's us doing that to ourselves. We have to stop doing that. There's a lot of power in being a teacher. And I, I've spent 27 years making career decisions that allow me to keep teaching because that's what I love. And so I think we represent the profession well. By doing it in an excellent way and then articulating it to people, it's not up to them to figure out how to understand us. It's up to us to figure out how to communicate the good work we're doing to them in a way that's understandable. And every teacher knows that. As a teacher, it's not about us. It's about the people that we're serving. And so in this case, we're serving policymakers and administrators, trying to help them see what it means to be an excellent and just teacher.
1: Part of the podcast then too, and the title of the podcast is Just Schools. That's right. right. So what's the imagination or the vision or the hope for outcome of high quality, confident humility, you know, in the teaching profession and us valuing each other and building each other up that then leads to what you're call. you know, in this podcast, what you're calling just schools.
0: That's a good question. And so, if you look in
1: the show notes, there's a graphic there that starts with the feedback,
0: engagement, and well-being in the center. And that happens in the classroom. And so, everything in schools is built around that. But then that bleeds out into schools that become schools of character where you start to enact these justice and love and mercy and grace that comes through that, through the feedback, engagement, well-being. And then that develops the personal virtues that you want to see in teachers, administrators, and students where you see civic performance, moral, and intellectual virtues playing out. And so, you have these concentric circles. And so, the goal is not just to stay in the classroom. The goal is to build leadership, to spread that into communities. And so, then we become these grace-filled, loving communities that are about excellence. And so what we want are just schools. So the first book is just teaching. Uh, The next iteration, we're collecting stories now of just schools, what that looks like at the school level. And then the the third book that I see coming down the road is just leadership. So how do you connect that just teaching to the just schools and then build networks of schools that do that, which is what you do for us through the center as you lead these networks of improvement communities where we're learning all. All the time. And so a lot of the work in the books is just things we're finding in schools that are happening right now. It's not a theoretical out there kind of thing. It's happening in a lot of schools now. We just need to publicize it, elevate it, and then expand what's going on currently.
1: So what you, you mentioned that you've made decisions for 27 years to keep you in the classroom as much <laughs> right. as possible, right. right? You know, from a fifth grade teacher to... You know, seventh grade science teacher to, you know, Department of Ed for a little bit, but then also then to Wheaton College and now to Baylor University. And we've been having these conversations for two decades about, you know what, we can have this big impact in our classroom. We can do really good things. We can design this and really accomplish a lot of things. But there was always a little bit of that, a little bit of that ambition that there's more. What would you say to your younger self? about what you've learned and discovered or to those young teachers or to those teachers who are thinking, is this worth it? Or how do I find that energy to continue? What would you say that says, hey, you know what, let's keep going? Yeah. I mean, there's no
0: better time to be in education than right now, because I say this all the time. We know more about how people learn. We have more tools than we've ever had for learning. And so, my younger self, I would say, hey, look, there's more good stuff coming. And it's exciting to be in education where we get to do what's at the technical core of what matters. And you, you in this process, when we first started talking to each other after college, you were in high school teaching and you went into an administrative route. And I absolutely want great teachers to become great administrators because I think that's where our best administrators come from. I didn't feel like that was my calling. I didn't think, I think I could have been competent at those things, but I think you have to keep at the center what's, where's your joy? And so my joy comes from the classroom. And so, as I moved further and further away from that, as I got to the US Department of Ed and spent time in the Bush administration, into the Obama administration, I learned so much and loved my time there, but I really missed the relationship with students. And so, I had to get back to that. And I think that was grounding. But I do think when you're with students all the time, there's a tyranny of the urgent that makes it hard to be able to see every everything else around you. And so, my younger self thought, I would be an intermediate middle grades teacher for 40 years and would be thrilled to do that coaching, teaching, uh, engaging students in that way. And I think I would have been a little judgmental of my older self leaving that behind because it's like you're not really a real teacher anymore because you're teaching adults and college students. And that's easy. These aren't, you know, I was teaching kids who did not have homes. They had, they didn't have houses. They had homes. They maybe didn't have houses. They were transient. They were going through crazy crises that were really hard. Our adults have challenges too, but it's different. And so, I think I would tell myself to not be judgmental of those people who leave behind teaching because I have this super high view of teaching. is the highest calling that you can have. Jesus gets called teacher 73 times in the New Testament. It's like, oh, I want to be that. I want to be a teacher in these powerful ways. And, and and then I would be sometimes be judgmental of others who did other things. And in the end, we need great educators in all these different roles. And so, uh, I think keeping that core of who you are as a teacher is important, but then also being willing to expand your experiences into other ways that you can be more service to more kids is a great way to go. Well,
1: maybe one last wondering or thought, you know, as we kind of think about this, because our, our journeys have, you know, are, are quite unexpected. Right. You look at the last 20 years or even 27 years of doing this, it's like you get to a place where it's like, how do we get here? How are we doing this? You know, and what would be the encouragement for the imagination for the teacher who's in the classroom and going to stay in the classroom, like your younger self thought you would? What's the imagination to say? Hey, yes, you can do that. But then here's some, some, some just things that you can do to have an impact upward. And then what would you say even to, you know, when you think about that younger self being judgmental to your older self, right? Where you're in the university and you're teaching adults and you're working your way down. Like, what's the tip to the older self that says, hey, you know what? Here's how you stay rooted and connected. So kind of two ideas, but both similar and and kind of speaking to us, you know, even in what we're doing. Yeah. Well, one
0: organization I love working with is the center for teaching quality because they're all about teachers leading without leaving. And so how do you take on those additional leadership roles while you keep that foot in the classroom? And so they have all kinds of hybrid roles that they promote for teachers and they elevate teachers in the, their thinking and all the work they do. And so I've worked with them now 13 years and I love that model. And I wrote an article with their, um, current president, Ann Byrd, about the hidden education gap, which is people that are, she's nationally board certified. She has to go back in and recertify regularly to keep that certification. She has to go back in and teach. I have tried to make it a practice all through my time when I was in Illinois. It's been harder through COVID to actually get in and do that, but to actually go in and teach classes. We would I would go in and do science units in different classrooms just to keep that real. I find any opportunity I can to work with kids and and understand that kids are different now. I mean, we were talking about this the other day. I feel like attention spans have gone from where books were hard to read to movies are hard to watch the whole movie. Now sitcoms may be too long because our brains have been set up on reels. And so what does a teacher do when children have been conditioned to have an eleven second attention span? Uh, And so, that's real. And so, I try to work as much as I can with kids where I can. I'll say one last thing, and this is a bit of an indictment for me. I was working with an educator in South Carolina. She was a professor at University of South Carolina. And she will not do professional development for anyone unless she can do it with kids and have them observe her doing that with kids. I was like, oh, that's, uh, it's great to talk about all the good things you can do with kids or that you used to do with kids or you have done with kids. It's different when you see that educator doing it with kids. That's why I'm such a huge proponent of peer observation and feedback because we learn so much from each other that way. So those are ways I keep it fresh. And, and, and I think going in and seeing great practice and recognizing with the humility that comes with having done this 27 years, there are a lot better educators out there than me. I have a lot of people that I can learn from. And so I think that that's helpful to just keep, keep that foot the classroom. All right, hey, thanks for being with us, Eric, and uh, more episodes to come. Thanks for listening. This podcast is brought to you by Baylor Center for School Leadership. Watch for Dr. John Eckert's first book in the series starting in January 2023.